because I really believe that if we aren't uncomfortable, we're not learning. So we need to lean into that discomfort. You're listening to Beyond Leadership. I'm your host, Sarah Mae Chipchinski, and I want to use the lessons I've learned from 15 years of leadership experience in business, politics, nonprofit, and the military to help you break through the BS of everyone else's expectations so you can lead as your authentic self. Join me every week as I give you tangible ways you can have more influence, more cohesion, more innovation, and more peace of mind when you lay your head down at night. Because leadership is about so much more than just leading. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Sarah Chipchinski. Uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, I have my friend Joy on today, and we are going to have some open and honest conversations uh, because I want to learn, and I hope you guys want to learn too, with everything going on in the world and all these discussions about systemic racism what I really want to know is what can I do as a white girl in a white community in a white state to help and to, to come across as not as inauthentic or not doing it for the likes on Instagram, but to to have an actual uncomfortable conversation, because I really believe that if we aren't uncomfortable, we're not learning. So we need to lean into that discomfort. So like I said, I've got my friend Joy here today. Super excited. Joy is from Charlotte, North Carolina. She's one of seven in a multiracial family. Uh, She works full-time as a real estate builder, but on top of that, she leads a Bible study. She's shooting a pilot for a Charlotte-based TV show, and she is the founder of a organization of women called Made For More, um, which I'm sure she'll tell you a little bit more about uh, throughout the podcast. So Joy, thank you so much for being willing to come on and have these uncomfortable conversations with me today. I guess we'll start out with, like, how can we make this less uncomfortable? That is such a great question. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for reaching out. I feel like these are the conversations that bring us all so much closer together. Things are only uncomfortable when you're on your own island feeling uncomfortable about it until, I mean, before, before we started the podcast, we were like, oh my gosh, this is no longer uncomfortable anymore because we're having genuine dialogue about how can we make these conversations no longer feel uncomfortable by keeping it real, asking questions that maybe we've been afraid to ask. And I think that's truly where real change happens. Yes. So I want to talk a little bit about, I guess, a buzzword that's been floating around a lot lately, and that is allyship. So mm-hmm. obviously, I will never understand what the Black community goes through on a day-to-day basis. I will never have to have that conversation with my son, like, here's what you do when you get pulled over, hands on the steering wheel, don't reach for your wallet. That's not a conversation that I'm going to have to have, but I still want to be able to 
support people in my community who don't look like me and who have to have those conversations without having that lived experience and that, that, uh, yeah, that, that experience, that personal experience. So I guess what exactly from your perspective is allyship and why is it so important that that's what we aim for? That is such a great question. I think for me, and I saw this quote earlier and it said, allyship just in its basic, most raw form is empathy and action. And when I sat with that for a minute, I zoomed out and said, wow, just like courage is action, stepping out of what feels super uncomfortable to you is action. And I think that's what so many people are just asking for. We need better allies. Not that you're above or below me, but you're right beside me. You know, we're locking, we're locking arms. We're having these conversations. Maybe you sit in rooms that I won't be sitting in or at you know, around the board table or wherever you are to still be able to speak up in people's absence when people say sideways things, or maybe you've got family members or friends who maybe do have racist tendencies or they say things and you're like, allyship is not you just standing right next to me in proximity. It's you saying, you know, hey, that that's not right. Here's like, have you thought through that? You know, where does that come from? And really being able to stand up when those things happen and be like, no, there has to be a better solution because at the end of the day, being an ally to anyone is saying, nope, I'm right beside you. I'm with you. I hear you. And I'm really here to learn. And I think that's what so many allies are doing now of saying, I want to learn as much as I want to unlearn. You know, there's so many of these conversations that were never had at home. Am I right? Like, you are, are you talking about race and race? Uh, it just didn't come up. And now we're, we're fully grown right. adults having these uncomfortable conversations because they never happened. And we're making up for lost time. And I think you have so many people who are being like, I don't know how to be an ally because I never talked about racism. Like I'm behind the curve. Yeah, it uh, wasn't something we brought up growing up. I mean, I, mm -hmm. so I started off, we did kindergarten and first grade in Milwaukee. Right. But my parents moved us out of Milwaukee before my younger sisters went to school because the schools weren't good. And to me at that point in time, that was like a, oh, we need a better house. That's a school's issue. That's a systemic racism issue that I didn't realize or think about, honestly, until this year. Like, right. the schools were bad because of X, Y, and Z, and so they moved us out, and we moved mm -hmm. to the white suburbs, to a white school, where I didn't have a black friend until high school because they, our school started busing kids in from Milwaukee to go to a better school, and then right. I went to a white college where like if you were black where I went to school like you played basketball or you played football or Athlete. you were on a scholarship yeah. <laughs> and so For here we are we my, didn't have. my proximity to having these conversations probably started always being uncomfortable or they didn't even cross your mind mm -hmm. that's probably the biggest thing I see so many times so my dad's white my mom's black and years and years ago, I remember us having, you know, some heated discussion about race as often as I've got five brothers, a sister, like very open door kind of policy at home. 
And I don't know how it came up in conversation, but I asked my dad, when was the last time that you were reminded that you're white? That's good. And the look on his face was, he, he literally was, he was so kind of stunned by that question because he never had to think about it. Yeah. It never crosses his mind. He's like, I, I go to work. I see people that look like me. I go to the, you know, the grocery store. I see people that look like me. I, you know, playing bands or whatever with people that look like, and I only, I only feel the weight of my whiteness when I'm in the minority. So I can't even imagine walking in rooms where you are so aware. You're so conscious that you're different. You are so, it's a, it's a day to day, whether it's business or friendships or, Hey, I mean, I went to a primarily white college as well. And it was, you know, you had a lot of athletes you had, and it's like, um, you're sitting in classrooms talking about uncomfortable things for some people. I'm like, I'm not uncomfortable talking about slavery. I'm not uncomfortable talking about, you know, civil rights. I'm not, this is just kind of normal. And then you realize that, wow, maybe, maybe people are so uncomfortable because one, they never even consider their whiteness ever. Mm -hmm. And then when you start bringing up, you know, history and things that it's like, oh, we didn't, I don't know if I learned that in school. <laughs> and so here we are having like, hey, I know this year, Juneteenth was a huge conversation, mm -hmm. right? We were like, I didn't know Juneteenth was a thing or, you know, the Tulsa riots or so many of these things where you're like, I didn't learn that in school. Like where people are like, where did you learn this? <laughs> like, well, we were talking before we started recording. I told you, like, I literally didn't know that it was a thing until mm -hmm. all people, Taylor Swift posted it on Instagram and I had right. to Google it and look like, is this a thing? Or is, is this, this trending like, on Twitter? What's going on? <laughs> so and do I feel dumb for it? Yeah. But now having opened that conversation and looked into it, I'm hoping that that makes me a better friend, a better ally, a better leader, a better person, really. Right. Um, being vulnerable, being comfortable enough with the discomfort to be vulnerable and to have these conversations because we don't know what we don't know, right? And how are I mean, we going like, to ask unless we, we talk about it? It's, it? Like you said at the beginning, it's, it's leaning in. And I think our our gut reaction when things are uncomfortable is to dodge and to disassociate because that's the easy thing to do. And like it or not, and I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I didn't even think about this either, is when you get the privilege to lean out and to, you know, dismiss certain things because it's uncomfortable that's where people are like, oh, white privilege is a thing that you don't have to think about some of these things or you don't have to, um, you can opt out and go back to life as normal versus having to sit in discomfort, to feel racism, to see it around you and then question like, where are your allies? So I think one of the reasons that I haven't talked about it before is because I had this notion that I can't offend anybody if I'm not talking about it. Mm -hmm. But this year, this 
environment in 2020 has made me feel more like not talking about it is offensive. Like to yeah. ignore that systemic racism is an issue in this country in 2020, that's offensive because it, it is an issue whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And I think the thing is right now, we're just being forced to acknowledge it because I mean, for God's sake, it's can't ignore it anymore. in my backyard. I grew up an hour outside of Kenosha, Wisconsin, and did I ever think when I saw that video, that gut-wrenching, awful video on Twitter of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, did I ever think like that's going to happen where I grew up? No. I had to I had to look at it. I was like this has got to be New York, LA, Chicago, Boston, Chicago. Right. Um, so, but it's happening in George Floyd was in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. This one is Jacob Blake is here in Wisconsin. Like this is happening in the Midwest. It's happening all over. And when it's knocking on your back door, you cannot ignore it. Ignore anymore. it. What, what kind of feelings have been coming up for you as you're like, okay, well, I know that I have to, and the, and the thing is you don't have to say anything. I think it is a, there's nothing more genuine than approaching any kind of subject with clarity. And I think we all process trauma, frankly, in so many different ways. And so I want you to know that by now saying something, it's like, hey, you're ready to talk about it with confidence. You are ready to be like, wow, I, I can't stay silent. You know, it's not that I haven't had anything to say. It's like, wow, this can't be ignored. This cannot, on my watch, I can't not say anything. Um, but I'm just curious, you know, what, what's been coming up for you of your feelings of, okay, now is the time. Did some, like outside of Jacob Blake's just tragic incident, anything else had come up for you? I think what finally put me over the line is, so based on where I grew up, based on who my, my friends and my acquaintances were and who I have on Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of what is coming up on my Facebook feed right now is, well, you don't know the whole story. Well, he had a warrant out for his arrest. Well, he wasn't mm -hmm. a good person. Well, this, well, that, every single excuse. And I thought about it and I remember being in that position a couple of years ago. Yeah. But now I don't know if it's the fact that I'm a mom now or that I've just matured as a human being, but in what freaking world without getting political in what world does a warrant for your arrest mean that it's okay to shoot you? Mm -hmm. And my dad made this argument. I love him to death. I love my dad, but he made the same argument. And I said, okay, so if it was me and I did the exact same thing and there was a warrant out for my arrest and I went and I tried to get in my car and somebody shot me in the back seven times, would that, How would, you feel? would that still be justified? Because that's what you just said. Right. <laughs> okay, boomer. Some people you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to shake them. Yeah. But like that kind of thinking, like just a couple of years ago, that was me. 
I would have said, yeah, we don't know the truth. They didn't have body. Let me, let me wait to get all the facts before I have an opinion. Right. Let me fact check your whole, and aren't you so glad that if anything happens to us that, you know, people aren't like, Hey, let me go dig up all of the horrible and terrible things that we've all done in life and make that the justification for why you got shot, why you got killed, who your, who your friends are, or, you know, it's like violence is violence on, Mm -hmm. on any level. And shouldn't be justified yeah and then you you look at what happened just a, a couple days after there's the the peaceful protest right that inevitably over the course of the past 90 days have been turning mm-hmm. into more violence and rioting and looting and arson and stuff that i think we can all agree is it's not good but the fact of the matter is it's it's been effective it's unfortunately and I think for, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a proponent of let's burn the town to the ground. So you hear me, but sometimes when I, when I break it down into different terms, it's almost like an abused child will act out because all they want is love or attention. And whether it's good or bad attention, you're still paying attention to me. And the the voice of those who have not been heard is it's getting louder and louder because it's like if you're not going to hear me you're going to see me and whether or not that's what we see on you know the news and that's what people are talking about on their timelines and you know that's not the way to handle conflict but to your point whether we like it or not people are listening mm-hmm. way more than ever because they can't look away right and i feel horrible for people whose whose businesses and you know stores are being burned to the ground by no fault of their own but at the same time it's like how do we how do we address what's now going on and move forward (laughs) Yeah. How do we reach energy? Exactly. Yeah. So I guess along those lines, there's, there's a hundred reasons why I am not going to be out rioting and looting. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) But what can I do again, as a white woman with a white audience, mostly white friends in a white suburb in a white state, what can I do? do like because yeah talking about it having the conversations but i i want to help so how do i do that like genuinely authentically do that i've got so many things that come to mind um i would say first one you're you're already starting the conversation so in terms of what can I do? You're doing it today. This conversation is going to go out into the universe, right? People are going to tune in. They're going to listen from their cars and their kitchens and wherever they might be listening to say, wow, like, I don't know if I ever looked at it that way. I don't know if maybe I live in, you know, a super, um, everything I do, everyone looks like me. 
it's so homogenous and everyone's like, oh, wow, I never even thought that my kids are all going to, you know, primarily white kindergarten and where my kids go to college or who my mom group is like, hey, do you have friends you went to high school with or college or um, maybe your coworkers? You know, you don't have to live in a super diverse place to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, be willing to lean in and saying, hey, like, I don't know if I'm going to ask it right. I don't want to offend, but I've got real questions. Would you be willing to take the time and can we have a conversation? And I think that's where real, genuine, authentic relationships happen. It's in the uncomfortable, it's leaning in, and that's where growth happens too. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one, anyone will tell you that when, when I'm comfortable, nothing is happening in my life. I'm stagnant. I'm going through the motions. I'm doing my own thing. When I am uncomfortable, it's probably because I'm growing and I'm being stretched to have conversations, to level up, to um, meet new versions of yourself. Right. And like you said earlier, Hey, this was me a couple years ago where I was waiting for all the facts to come in to then have an opinion. And I think diversifying your timeline. I mean, you don't even have to have friends in your, I mean, you, we are in a age where you can reach out to anybody online, you know, whether it's Facebook groups or, um, I mean, people who have common interests with you, maybe podcasters on Instagram, you can follow hashtags. I I literally have met some amazing humans online where I'm like, Hey, we've never met in real life, but you probably cheer for me the loudest and you know, it's the greatest time to be alive because we have so much access. And now at this point, ignorance is a choice because we have so much information. We have so much, it's not like, Oh, I live in Wisconsin. And you're like, Oh cool. Well maybe I just connected with a blogger in California or, you know, a new friend in Texas and we strike up a conversation in the DMS it goes down the DMs and people know this, but you want to be genuine, authentic, and real, um, where you come from a place of saying, Hey, like I want clarity because more than anything, I think we all want hope. Like we all want to see the best versions of each other in business and life and motherhood. Um, and I think until we talk about racism and equity and justice, you know, some of these heavy topics that people want to hear your voice, just like they want to hear my voice. It's like, wow, thank you, Sarah, for leaning in. Like, I know it probably take, took a whole lot of courage for you to raise your hand and say, I'm not okay with this. Like, how can I be a better friend? Um, how can I start conversations that matter? And then before you know it, that those things snowball, you know, people hear something like, Oh my gosh, I would love to have a conversation with the, you know, people in my community, in my circle, what can I be doing? You know, is that signing petitions? Is that donating to certain, you know, areas that matter to you? Is that having conversations like this? Is it, um, you know, calling racism out, whether it's, you know, individual or systemic, 
you know, where it finds you in life. And we all have a voice. We all have a platform. And I think that's the beauty of the good news of social media these days is like, I have a voice. I've got a platform. I can use it however I want. And if the things that matter to you are then transferred in your own space, it's like people coming to your house, you know, you're coming to my Instagram feed. Like, this is kind of like my house. <laughs> Welcome. Um, don't break anything. <laughs> and like, let's have some real dialogue. And I think people are so open to that. Um, but I think it takes a willingness to, to learn and unlearn. Yes. That's super important. So speaking of learning, uh, I know you've talked about community groups and a couple of other things, but what are some resources that I can go to that other people who are in like a similar life situation to me, mm -hmm. where can we go? What are, what are your favorite resources? It's so funny. I was, um, at the bookstore, actually last night, I'm in a book club with some girls. Which I'm like, when am I reading anything that's like not required in the busyness of my life? <laughs> and I was passing down the aisle and, you know, I've, I've seen, um, Robin D'Angelo's white fragility book, like everywhere. I'm like, Oh, you know what? I want to pick it up because I want to learn just as much as people want to learn about how can I be a better ally? How can I, you know, understand uh, the black community or black culture or whatever? And it's like, well, shoot, I want to be just as knowledgeable to you. But for those who are uncomfortable talking about race, that's literally the, the whole point of this book is white fragility, why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism. And I'm only like 10 pages in and like I've underlined and annotated so many things being like oh that's good oh that's good because it's a mutual conversation of like wow maybe I feel like this is hard because I haven't addressed some of the real issues um so that would be a great resource um there's so much information um I know we spend a lot of time on about you do you spend more time on Instagram versus Facebook way more time I I, I think I share things from Instagram to Facebook and then I still stay on Instagram. <laughs> You're yes. like, oh, it's like multitasking without having to like cross over. Um, without having but, the negative space of the political feed of Facebook. Exactly. I'm like, well, oh, I think I'm just going to stay on the gram and hope for the best. But outside of reading, because I know so many people don't have time to read, whether you're listening to it on Audible, um, but quick resources that you can you know, scroll, save, put in a, um, a tab on Instagram. Um, it, you can follow hashtags. I know I follow this amazing account called, um, woke teachers or at the conscious kid. If you've got, if you have kids, if you want to follow, um, you know, hashtag anti-racism, it's no longer like, Oh, I, I, I'm not a racist. Well, how can we be anti-racist? Um, how can we bring that into our own education? And there's so many resources within those hashtags, um, whether it's books or podcasts or, I mean, if you're already spending time on Instagram, if you follow, cause you can follow hashtags now, mm -hmm. all of that information will start popping up on your feed. 
And it's like, oh, I don't know if I ever thought about it like that. Oh, that's a great point. So I follow a ton of hashtags on Instagram and I'm always learning. Like as I'm just scrolling through people's like kids and puppies and, you know, who got engaged this weekend (laughs) of, wow, that's a really great post about allyship or diversity or inclusion or, um, you know, what does it look like to have accountability? Like you can follow all of those things and it's going to just almost be like a constant drip of information that's going to pop up on your feed when you're there anyway. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. Perfect. So, uh, Facebook, right? You have a Facebook group and I know that that is a bomb community for people to go to. So where can people go to learn more from you, my friend? Yeah, well, you definitely can find me on Instagram. I hang out there primarily. And my Instagram handle is at jump for joy, J-U-M-P-F-O-R-J-O-Y-4089. But Facebook, when I am on Facebook, I'm probably dripping things into made for more. So I think this was probably a couple of years ago. I just had this epiphany of oh my gosh, I don't want to just be anything. I don't want to just be a real estate broker. I don't want to just, um, you know, in college, like I don't want to just be a volleyball player. It's like, we are all made for so much more. And I'm like, what would it look like to have a community of people who felt the same way? You know, more love, more connection, more joy, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) But I think people are so starved these days for community more than anything. And especially in this COVID-19 world of isolation and, um, you know, everything kind of got ripped out from under us and how to cope with that. Having a solid community behind you. Um, we're women of all ages, all races, all backgrounds. I don't care where you came from, what your daddy does. Like it is the coolest community of women who, cheer for each other. People post, you know, business ideas or inspirational quotes or whatever's on their mind. And it has been so impactful these months of, well, I'm so glad that I have other women who are Mm like-minded and who want to be more together. It's not just individually more, but a collective more. So definitely Instagram, Facebook with, um, made for more but I think more than anything it's like I thrive in community I think we all do mm-hmm. and we can always bring people in you know I think we're not on an island we're not just in a white state and we're not just in a suburb and we're not you know that might be where I'm you know might be where I'm living currently but our reach is so far mm-hmm. and I think when we can zoom out and be like wow I have a lot of people behind me that might not be, you know, in proximity beside me, but we all have the ability to pull people in, to have conversations and, um, you know, we can bring both clarity and hope. And I think that, like I said earlier about allyship is empathy and action. And you can definitely do that the best in community. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Joy. I so appreciate you coming on and taking the time to lean in with me and help me grow. Um, I know we're going to be having a lot more conversations as things continue to come up, but I, I can't wait. 
I so appreciate you. Friend, I hope you enjoyed that largely unedited conversation between me and my new friend, Joy. I know that these talks, these discussions are not always easy to have. It's not easy to talk about racism or sexism when that's not something that we grew up doing. But if we all talk about it and we all go educate ourselves, I know I just went out and bought White Fragility because that's what Joy recommended and and I'm going to do it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to learn. And uh, if we all do this, that's how we make a difference together these conversations, these moves, not just in our homes and in our organizations, but our communities and the world at large. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I sincerely hope that you got something out of today that you are going to be able to take and use on your journey to wherever it is you're going. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and share your takeaways on social media. Don't forget to tag me at Sarah May Ski on Instagram. While you're waiting for the next episode, please check out our exclusive Beyond Leadership community over on Facebook to connect with more like-minded and like-hearted individuals dedicated to learning, leading, and encouraging right alongside you every day. Until next time, let's go.